Welcome to Fashion Forum, a podcast brought to you by the British Fashion Council. I'm Caroline Rush, Chief Executive. Today we bring you a series of conversations highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community, all of whom play a vital role in our industry's culture and reputation, promoting British creativity on a global scale. Hello, I'm Wilson Oriema, and I'm very honoured today to be hosting this talk for the BFC podcast around fashion, of course, and sustainability, of course, but more specifically, materials and how they relate to the body and our wider environment. So today, uh, I'll be speaking to three esteemed guests on this topic, who I'll allow for them to introduce themselves soon after. Um, but just before going into that, just to describe a bit about myself, uh, my name's Orson Oriema. Uh, I'm an artist, a writer. I do some work around fashion, uh, sustainability and fashion. And uh, I've co-founded a project called Regenerative Futures and one called Surface Tension with one of the speakers, Rosie. Anyway, uh, that's enough for me. And to begin, I'd love to learn more about each of the speakers, but as well speaking about uh, where you've come from and the work you do but I'd love for you to also tie it into what drew you into materials in particular and why it's such a fascinating field for you. Hi I'm Rosie Broadhead and I'm a fashion designer and textile researcher at Ghent University and in Belgium and I develop biomaterials for clothing and for the textile application and since 2019 I finished my Masters in Material Futures at Central St. Martins and since then I've been working with a microbiologist and together we develop probiotic clothing which means incorporating healthy bacteria into textiles to help the skin microbiome and health of the skin and I think what drew me to materials is I've always been interested in this interaction between the body and skin and I used to work in performance sportswear and uh, specifically road cycle clothing and I think there was a lot of emphasis on the speed comfort and durability of the rider and athlete and how what you can do to the textiles can really change the performance of the rider so now more specifically I look at the skin microbiome but I think it's a similar ethos in that what you do to the textiles can influence the body on a biological level so amazing thank you and Phoebe Thank you, um, Wilson, for um, inviting me to be part of this. It's really nice to meet everybody and um, hear about all your amazing work. Um, I'm uh, Phoebe English. I am a fashion designer. Um, our studio is based in London. And I suppose my interest in materials has come from, um, I guess, a place of complete naivety. Um, I suppose. Um, I, I went through a process of, of re-evaluating uh, how we were working um, and what we were using in, in particular, what we were bringing into the studio to make our, our products with um, and realised that, there, you know, we had been choosing fabrics and materials um, in a way which meant we were, we were choosing what we liked um, and 
and and and then in terms of what we could afford um but that's really kind of as far as it really went in terms of our of our interaction of of why we chose to use it um and over the last sort of two and a half three years we've really been working quite hard to to re-educate ourselves um and and relearn and reassess why we choose particular materials and why we let them come into the studio and be part of new work um so that's yeah a process we've been going through as a team um and learning more and more all the time it's a huge subject um and i guess one of the areas we've really been focusing on a lot is is a re reuse of waste pre-consumer textile waste um, and it's got to the point now whether that that is really the majority of the raw materials we use and uh, to, to bring in a virgin resource or a virgin or a brand new fabric into our work is, is something we do in, in, an, in an exception. Um, so that's just, I guess, some, some approaches that we've been having to, to bringing materials in over the past couple of years and few seasons. Amazing. Thank you, Phoebe. And Hannah? Yeah. Um, thanks so much for having us. My name is Hannah Kajimura and I lead sustainability at Allbirds, which is a lifestyle brand and a certified B Corp based in San Francisco, um, making shoes primarily, but also apparel now. And I think I resonate a lot with what Phoebe said about coming into the industry with a bit of an outsider's perspective and naivete. Um, I had a background in climate science, but hadn't worked in the fashion industry or footwear industry before. And that was really the most surprising thing to me in coming into Allbirds was just understanding how reliant the footwear industry is on petroleum and how just used to and normalized it has become to wear petroleum-based plastics on our bodies so close to our skin um, and then further digging into the numbers and realizing that for any fashion brand the majority of your impact your carbon impact and broader environmental impact is coming from your raw materials and really that is the biggest source of impact as well as the biggest lever that we all have to improve impact um, and should really be the focus of any company in this space and um, then going further down the journey I think recently have become really excited about regenerative agriculture and how we can use natural materials to not just be less bad and reduce our impact by a certain amount but actually use materials and clothing to um, create a climate solution and and store carbon by producing these products. Thank you, and I'll come back to you actually because uh, a lot of what you touched on there actually resonates with me in terms of just trying to, like, for me also stepping into the fashion industry, I've seen, or the more I've understood about the processes and how certain materials are made, it shocked me further and further, and I've seen a lot with all birds, of course, with the recent step into apparel. There's been a lot of. Uh, interesting material innovations to say the least in uh say for example the trini xo shirt i'd love for you to dive into some of the stuff that you uh you and your team are working on right now yeah um so the the 
kind of core principle of how we develop new materials and products is really around natural materials and and driving plastics and petrochemicals out of our industry and moving to natural um, because of the solution to climate change that we believe that natural materials can be. And so that's that's really the big design constraint on all of the new materials we innovate is one, does an existing natural material, does a natural material exist that can fill better serve the purpose that we need in this product? And if not, can we create a new one? And so on the former, I think wool is a great example of conventionally, no one would have used wool in footwear because it's not as durable as a synthetic might be. But if you just look at the natural properties of wool in terms of um, ability to control odor, to regulate temperature, all of those things are perfect for footwear. And you know, not to mention like studies that have been done about the links between wool and human health and improving indoor air quality and things like that. Um, so that that's an example of the former and then of the latter in terms of the industry um, traditionally using chemicals to improve the performance of products. Um, you mentioned the Trino XOT in, in particular, which um, has this ingredient called chitosan, which is um, made from discarded crab shells and actually has anti-odor, anti-bacterial properties to it. And so we've tried to, we've put the design constraint of not using silver and zinc and all of those other chemicals to control odor and instead are using natural and actually in this case, a waste material to do that. Which is super important um, as say for me, I've found in my journey as well, how dangerous toxic chemicals are to the body as well. So yeah, no, thank you. And yeah, it's amazing. Also, I want to jump to Phoebe now, kind of leaning on from the natural approach, because also in with regards to dyes, there's so much, um, say, for example, toxic chemicals or processes which put uh, humans and other animals and our environment at risk as well. I know you're, you're uh, delving into... Uh, looking at natural dyes and, and experimenting with other forms of, uh, like you mentioned, waste as well. I'd love for you to dive into what um, is going on at the studio right now and what you're working with, on your, what you're working with your team on. Yeah, um, well, this is, was, was that really our, um, was our mission for 2020 was to, to try and um, gain a better understanding of, of the chemical content. I now kind of look at, at wardrobes as these contaminated <laughs> spaces now that I have more knowledge and information <laughs> about all of the chemicals that are, are in the processing of our fabrics that we put on our skin, which as everyone in this um, uh, talk will agree is our, the largest organ of our body. Um, so, you know, maybe that should be something we're thinking a little bit more of. I often think actually, you know, sometimes those statistics you hear about 
really dangerous chemicals that people like the Victorians had in their homes and in their domestic spaces. And I sometimes think, you know, when they look back to now, are they going to be talking about what we were putting in the fabric we put directly onto our skin and how badly that affects all of the other things that cuts into contact to in, in its processing. Um, so yeah, it's something we've been trying to learn a lot more about and educate ourselves in. I've been doing a lot of reading, which sometimes I then have to take a bit of a break from because it's a bit terrifying um, when you suddenly start realizing that how, how actually truly toxic and dangerous some of those things are. Um, so I guess we're, we're quite small and we've been, we do a lot of handmade processes and handmade textiles and, and the dyeing, you know, isn't something I've really done a lot of. I'm a, not a dyer, but luckily our studio manager, Clara, and my partner, Sam, are both, are both natural dyers. So I've got these great people I have access to for advice and things. Um, so yeah, we've we've been we've been working with with reclaimed fabrics. Um, we we did we've gone through this process of of putting a studio ban on any synthetic um, components to our to our garments, uh, which we put into place I think in two thousand and nineteen. Um, so no virgin synthetics in any new work. Um, so trying to source specifically, uh, you know, natural <laughs> reclaimed fabrics that we can then um, manipulate or, or work with to make our own. So, for example, through overdying processes. So that's something we've been working working on Um so piece dyeing and over dyeing um, fabrics that we've we've acquired um, as as pre consumer textile waste and and specifically using uh, natural dyes. So we've we've done over dyeing processes with uh, with indigo, and more recently we've been trying. I guess the last two collections that you know were titled nothing new. So it was a case of of trying to source uh, reclaimed materials or surplus or overstock or waste or offcut textiles to work with within our local vicinity so to to start reducing the waste down to just sourcing within london itself so when we were approaching natural dye we were trying to again replicate that idea of reducing distance and we were working on that um nothing new part two which is where we've been working with the majority of our dye um with trying to source within a walking distance of the studio. Um, so working with local cafes to, to, you know, work with them to see if they can supply us with food waste that we can use um, for, for pigment and for colour. So we worked with some local cafes who supplied us with avocado stones. So we've done some really nice sort of golden pinky um peachy tones with that and um also you know within local parks that we've you know been doing our our lockdown walks in um sourcing sourcing things like oak galls and things like that it was a, a mast year this year so lots wow. of oak uh oak uh surplus oak um oak galls to collect to get a nice inky color um, and then hopefully we're going to keep the momentum we've been doing lots of things like trying to use our paper 
our pattern cutting paper waste and any all of our packaging is paper now so anything that's you know broken from that goes into our wormery or into our compost bin and hopefully one day we'd be able to get to a situation where we can then use that to grow grow uh, our own components for dyes so maybe things like be um rhubarb and quince trees and stuff like that but that's kind of a bit further on <laughs> but that's kind of where we are at the moment is trying to use locally locally found uh, dye components to to enhance and um i guess customize some of this textile waste that we've been um working with that's amazing thank you and of course we've been covering a lot of uh, the more natural materials that can be found in within nature but even uh, zooming on to a microscopic level with regards to bacteria, Rosie, you experiment a lot with uh, live bacteria and other um, materials at, at that scale. What's, what's that like and what are you working with at the moment? Um, so firstly, really interesting because I feel like we all share a similar ethos on toxic chemicals. And also I've been reading recently about... Um, alternatives, antibacterial alternatives and natural ones and kytosan came up a lot. So yeah, it's really interesting to see that it's actually being applied now in um, clothing. So, but in terms of um, uh, what I what I work at, um, I work with a um, Dr. Chris Calwer and he's a microbiologist and his focus is on bacteria therapy. So it means, um, basically altering the microbiome based on what you add to it. So, for example, if for someone who has a body odor, they might have a lot of uh, pathogenic bacteria build up. So there's a way that you can basically manipulate the microbiome by adding healthy bacteria to the skin. So an example of how he did that was with um, some twins. So one had this um, body odor problem and one didn't. And he basically took the bacteria from one twin and, and incorporated it in the skin microbiome of the other. So this is kind of, this sort of um, way of thinking is how I've sort of approached textiles now. And um, we're working on incorporating this um, healthy bacteria that is associated with um, reduced body odor, encouraging cell renewal and healthy to the um the health and well-being of your skin and um so when it's incorporated into the textiles um it's activated with the moisture on your body so once it's activated it will it will um start to colonize on the skin and this is the research that we're working on at the moment it's it's still in development but um yeah it's just one of the ways that i'm looking at um what you can apply to textiles to uh, change the this the skin microbiome, but also the health and wellness of your skin. So I'm also looking at seaweed as well because it has lots of antioxidant ingredients in it and um, vitamin E. So yeah, I think everything I do and um, I'm interested in is about um, how can we nourish the skin and how can we um, yeah creating this synergy between skin and clothing, yeah. Absolutely, um, yeah, there's just a general, such a positive feel that all about pushing things towards the future and, and trying to 
build a better yeah future for our for our next generations and so on. Um, I want to kind of jump back to something Phoebe said in regards to, um, of course, we're all forward thinking and trying to make things better, but we can only, to an extent, go as far as the last person. So like Phoebe, you mentioned with regards to um, what will future generations look back on our choices and actions. Um, Today, we can say there's like a plethora of problems we face globally that are a sign that we should accelerate our sustainable efforts to lead us to a better future. And of course, I believe one of the key factors to success in anything is reducing the amount of mistakes one can make or as a collective can make. So Phoebe, what would you say one thing is this can be a material habit process, a service that should be left in this year or this decade and never to be touched again? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I don't know. I guess I think uh, with us, as I guess as a creative person, um, and I guess maybe the way I learned to practice my creativity was that the um, the idea was almost kind of sacred um, and has this sort of kind of almost untouchable regal status um so like i often use this phrase like the idea as god and the creator as king um but as i have grown and um you know learned and as i've kind of reassessed some of our ethoses and our kind of approaches to, to making work um I feel, you know, the idea is a is a really precious thing, and you know, in terms of uh, contributing to culture, um, you know, is isn't something that isn't important. I guess I I feel now that um, the idea is only part of of what we do, and actually, as a designer and being in the position of a designer, we're sort of just in the middle of these two destinations the source the, the source where you know the things we use come come from talking about materials specifically and, and and its destination where it goes we're just we're hovering in the middle and when you dissect an, an item of clothing um every component of that garment has come down to a decision and and specifically often a designer's decision so actually the decisions we make in between those two places of the source and its destination are extremely powerful. Um, so I guess one of the things, I mean, there's so many crises we're facing, but I guess in terms of materials, uh, as we're discussing, would be to, to, to leave this, this idea of the idea as, as the sacred reason for deciding things and to try and think about the greater picture and the greater vision as a way to help us navigate our decision making. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does more than answer the question. That was very profound. Thank you. Um, I'll jump to Rosie now as well and, and get your uh, position or, or your thought on one thing you think we should potentially leave in this year or decade. Um. I was think, 
I think I was thinking about this, and maybe what I'm about to say is a bit controversial, given the time. But I think uh, antibacterial um, sprays <laughs> are something that we don't need uh, necessarily in the home or for the body. And it, I mean, it has a place for maybe when you're traveling or or something. But I think completely eliminating all the good and the bad bacteria on all of our surfaces is definitely more detrimental to the health in the long term. So I think that's something I would leave behind. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can, yeah, I, from what tiny research I've done in this space, I know it has an impact on bacteria and other things in the home. So I completely agree with you. And Hannah as well, what would, if there was one thing you'd in particular leave in this year or decade, it can be a material habit, process or service or anything, what would that be and why? Yeah, I think if I just get one, I would say I'd leave competition behind, at least in the sense of one entity triumphing over another. Um, we this past year announced a partnership with Adidas to work together to create the lowest carbon shoe imaginable. And I think what struck me about that honestly was how much press it got just because it was so unusual. And we're not even, you know, it's hard to say we're competitors given the difference in scale, but even two shoe companies working together on a shoe felt truly revolutionary and it just shouldn't be at this point. Um, I think there's a lot of collaboration in terms of like high level industry treaties and commitments and declarations, but there's certainly not enough near term shoulder to shoulder kind of collaboration in the same way. Absolutely. I totally agree. Even going to uh, when we were allowed to go into conferences and events, I'd, it, it's the first time I, I was at a conference. It just struck me how casually uh, different brands and organizations were engaging together, but based on what's presented outwards, you'd think, oh, they're at each other's necks for the most part. Rosie, what's one question, thought, or consideration you think every designer and or fashion brand should think about before embarking on new projects and why? Um, I think picking up from something that Phoebe said earlier, which was that the skin is the largest organ on our body and um, it sort of interacts with the internal and the external and fashion and clothing are these intimate objects that you wear next to your body every day. And I think as a designer, it's quite ironic. I think the skin is often something that is overlooked. Um, and so I would say that maybe a designer thinking or including me thinks about what what they would want to wear next to their body every day and um, how can we reduce these chemicals do we need these functional finishes and can they can what we add these ingredients that we add be nourishing to the body at the same time absolutely thank you and Phoebe, uh, I know you kind of, I felt like your answer kind of touched on it, but uh, with regards to uh, the beautiful in-between and, and more long-term thinking, but if we were to zero in a bit more, uh, what would one question for or consideration 
be that or what would that be that you think that every say designer or fashion brand should think about before embarking on new projects and why um i guess i guess um i think i would say you know thinking about how the activity of doing the project can help um i think there's a lot that are personal actions whether we're doing a small project or a big one um can do to be more positive and less negative and i think yeah going back to thinking about the wider space and the wider elements that we affect with our choices as designers um thinking about that quite carefully when embarking on a new project um thinking beyond the idea and beyond the, your your own creative um expression um and how how you know i guess with us we kind of see see our our work making as a way to trial different solution based ideas um uh, whereas before we just saw it as as an a creative expression so now we try to see it as both of those things and um i just think maybe designers can be working a lot harder <laughs> in terms of um thinking yeah working harder and thinking thinking deeper about the decisions we make and the components we include and what we affect along the way no, I totally agree. There's this concept um, that is kind of making the rounds now and it's called complex coordination. And essentially, um, when we look at most, we can look at almost any industry and there hasn't been much advancement in the last few decades apart from like, I don't know, the internet and telecommunications because even fashion, it's only now that we're really making large steps compared to what what has been going on for the last few decades so this idea is centered around the fact that uh or centered around the idea of uh essentially just trying to uh large groups of people trying to work together to to do moonshots essentially or just uh complex ideas that are far out of the realm of normality and it's like essentially just like you said with taking taking risks and trying hard things and not trying to cut corners as well. I absolutely agree. Um, thank yeah. you. And, and moving lastly to Hannah, um, I would love for you to uh, just share one thought, question or consideration you think every designer and or fashion brand should think about before embarking on new projects and why. Yeah, I think at this point, anyone coming into the business should really ask themselves, does the world need this? I think there's so many companies and individuals in the fashion business that are already here and working to make things a little bit better, use a slightly less harmful option or clean up a supply chain. And at this point, what we all really need to be thinking about is not how do we make this less bad, but how can, what, how can our product actually offer a solution? to these problems. And that's not always easy or clear in the fashion industry, but whether that means um, helping to build demand for materials that act as carbon sinks 
through or helping to change the way that farming systems are done around the world today. Or something we think about a lot is that different industries have different roles to play in the climate crisis. And perhaps uh, you could argue that an energy company or a transportation company might really be the ones that unlock climate change and really provide the technology that saves us all. It's probably not a shoe company. But what we have that they don't have is that direct line to the customer to quite literally make a topic fashionable and bring the individual into consciousness of caring and demanding these things. Um, And so that would really be my one question is how can the product or service you're providing be not just less bad for the world or clean something up, but actually be a solution. Yeah, so I'd love to just say thank you once again, Hannah, Phoebe, and Rosie, for being such wonderful speakers today and for sharing so much insight on materials and sustainability. I'm Wilson, I've been your host, and it's been a pleasure. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Thank you. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week. 